Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. And I'm speaking on a, a topic that is very, very important to all of us that are gathered here this morning. I believe God wants to do something special within our lives this morning. He wants to break some barriers within our lives. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in verse 6. Verse 6, 7, and 8 we're going to read. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth, notice that, God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good works. Father, we come before you right now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, you speak to all of our hearts this morning. Give us victories this morning. Give us victories this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This morning... We're going to be, I want to be speaking to you on breaking financial barriers. Breaking financial barriers. And if there's ever a, a battle that we have sometimes within our lives, we have a, a problem sometimes in, in making ends meet, you know, trying to meet the budget, trying to have enough finances for our needs. This is a battle that we have so many times that we confront. Not only do we confront it sometimes in the world, we were in the world, but also we confront it even in our Christian experience sometimes. That we have needs within our lives and somehow we're not able to meet those needs. Now if you read the scriptures, you know, here we have Paul dealing with the Corinthian church and one of the areas that they had problems with, they had all kinds of power and, and, and manifestations within their church, but one of the areas that they had problems with was the area in the financial area. That's the area they had problems with. And what the Apostle Paul did, he actually dedicated two chapters in dealing with that problem. He dedicated uh, chapter 8 and also chapter 9 in dealing in the area of how you could get financial blessings and how you could break down those financial barriers within our lives. And, and here we find these scriptures that we're able to read of uh, breaking down these financial barriers. Now, the first thing that we find in the Word of God is that, and the first principle that we have in the Word of God is that every person, all of us, we must establish the fact, first of all, that every person is to give. Once you get saved, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, then God expects you to be a giver. Not only a receiver, 
but also a giver. And notice what it says in verse 7. It says, every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. And then it says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So the beginning of receiving any blessings from God in the beginning as Christians, as far as the responsibility that we have as Christians, is proportionate giving begins with the tithe. That's just the beginning. And if we haven't been faithful with our tithing, then we, even ha we haven't even begun to give. Because if we haven't been faithful with our tithing, then what we're actually doing is robbing God. So how could we expect God's blessing when we're robbing God? So the first principle in the Word of God of breaking down the barriers is that we have a responsibility as children of God, as sons of God, to be faithful in our tithing. And we find this in the Old Testament, and we also find it in the New Testament. So the first thing, the first thing that we have, obligation that we have before God, is that we need to be faithful with our tithes. See, the gift of the 10% called the tithe in the Bible first appeared to Abraham, and we went through this a number of times, and I don't have to labor it, but 400 years before God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. So we can't find the excuse and say, well, that, you know, that was only in the Mosaic Law. If you always want to find excuses not to tithe, we always look for excuses in the Bible also of why we shouldn't be tithing. And some people use the excuse that it was in the Mosaic law and that was in the, the time of the law, the dispensation of the law, and now we're living in the dispensation of grace. Well, not so. Even 400 years before the law was given to Moses, already Abraham was faithful in, in paying his tithes. In chapter 14 of Genesis, Abraham gave a tenth to God to the God's priest Melchizedek. So he paid his tithes to Melchizedek 400 years before the Lord. And then Abraham's grandson, Jacob, followed Abraham's example by giving the tithe. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob said, Of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So you can see that not only Abraham, but also Jacob also followed the example of Abraham. And if you see those guys, the way they were blessed, they were blessed. I mean, those guys, not only did they have enough, they had more than enough. They were blessed. And then later, finally, in the law given to Moses, God told Israel, a 10% should be set aside for God. And we find that in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And then later on, even Jesus himself put his stamp of approval. You can't find any scripture where Jesus says that they shouldn't tithe anymore. In fact, Jesus, they would, if, if there would have been any reason, he would have come out and he would have said it. But you notice that he even gave a stamp of approval when it comes to tithing in the New Testament. And in our passage of scripture that we have here, what Paul is dealing with the Corinthians, he's dealing with the type of attitude that they should have. You see, in giving to God, we should have an attitude. Because sometimes when we give to God, if we don't have the right attitude, then those become barriers in receiving God's blessing within our lives. 
And we have so many scriptures that say he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. And not only does he want to bless us, but he wants to bless us in abundance. But if we don't follow the principles that are in God's word, then we create barriers that are barriers and hold back and, and shut out the blessing of God within our lives. So the attitude and the spirit that we give is very, very important. And what I want to do first, I want to deal with the negative, a negative attitude, and then we'll deal with the positive attitude that we should have in giving. And whenever we have a negative attitude, those are the barriers that stop the blessing of God upon our lives. Let's look at the neg negative attitude that some people have. They had it in the, the Bible days. The Corinthians had it. That's why Paul is dealing with it. And some of us may have it here this morning. Some negative attitudes when it comes to giving. The first negative attitude that Paul brings out, he says, if you're going to give, do not give grudgingly or reluctantly. In other words, it was evident that some people were giving who didn't want to give in the Corinthian church. And their attitude was, do I have to? Do I have to really give? That was their attitude. There's a bumper sticker that said, God loveth a cheerful giver, but he also taketh from a grouch. <laughs> but I don't really, I'm not sure if it's true. He loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take from a grouch, huh? So you grouchy people. But I'm not sure that's true. I'm sure you wouldn't want, you wouldn't enjoy getting a gift from somebody who you knew really didn't want to give it to you and complained about it. I mean, wouldn't that destroy the, the whole spirit of the gift that is given to you? Somebody gives you something and then they're complaining, well, I had to give it, my husband made me give it, or my wife made me give it, and... I just gave it anyhow, and they complained about it. And sometimes this is the way that we actually give to God. You see, we give to him in the attitude of a spirit of grudgingly and also reluctantly we're giving to God. And that becomes a barrier, hear me, that becomes a barrier for God's blessing. So even though you're giving... And you say, I'm giving, how come I'm not receiving back? How come the word of God doesn't work? It's because of the attitude you have. You need to change your attitude because it becomes a barrier in being a recipient of God's blessing. Another barrier in receiving God's blessing is when we give out of a sense of obligation. Paul told the Corinthians, and he, he brought it out to the Corinthians, he says not to give out of necessity and obligation. Evidently, some were doing that. They did not give out of the way that you're supposed to give, which is out of joy. Maybe they gave out of guilt. They felt guilty and gave out of guilt. Or even out of pressure. Even when you give because you're pressured, it also becomes a barrier to God's blessing because of the attitude that you have. And or even giving out of duty and, and, and you're not giving out of love. When you're not giving where the foundation of your giving is love, 
then it becomes a barrier. Let me ask you the question, do you enjoy giving or is your giving an obligation to you? Huh? Do you enjoy it? I think the more you are in Jesus and when you develop the heart of Jesus, you don't become just a taker. Maybe before you were a taker when you were in the world, but all of a sudden, once you get saved, you get that spirit of generosity, the spirit of Jesus, and you become a giver. Because if we're not careful, we could develop worldly attitudes concerning our giving to God. One of the most common worldly attitudes that we have when we give to God is what you would call a surplus mentality. I think we have a lot of surplus mentality in Victory Outreach. I'm actually in our church just here in San Diego. But any, any, any people that, that have a poverty mentality have a surplus mentality. Especially when they come to church. They have a surplus mentality. i tell you what a surplus mentality is. It's, a, it's an attitude or a habit that causes us to give only when we have extra. Only when we have extra. The offering basket goes by and our calculator in our mind goes to work and we say, yes, I got a little extra here for God and we give the leftovers to God. You see, when we say, well, we kind of just give whatever we have. I paid all my bills, now let me see what I got left. Isn't that the way some of us do it? Let me see if I can give this week. I paid all of my bills. What do I have left? Oh, I got a few bucks left over. Then that's going to give to Jesus. Then you come into the church and say, here you go, Jesus. And then you expect the blessing of God. How in the world do you expect the blessing of God when you're giving God the leftovers? In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power. Hear, hear this. Hear this. Get a hold of this. Deuteronomy says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Whew. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? This is telling us that he gives us power. He gives his people power to get wealth. And then he says that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So a bad attitude is giving him the leftovers. But what does Paul say? Paul is trying to bring out what kingdom giving is really is. See, kingdom giving. We're, how many are kingdom children? If, if you're, you're a kingdom child of God, then you should be a recipient of the blessings of the kingdom. And this is what God wants to do here in, in Victory Outreach San Diego. He wants to rain blessings and pour blessings upon his people because we are kingdom children of God. And Paul tells the Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver because kingdom children are always cheerful givers. Our attitude should be one of cheerful giving. Cheerful giving is when 
not only you love God, but you are able to trust him. See, the problem we have is that I say, I love you, Jesus, but you don't trust him. Bendito sea el nombre del Señor. I love you, Jesus. When you don't tithe, you don't even give above your tithes, and you're giving those leftovers, lo que queda, to the Lord. You're saying, I love you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. But I don't trust you. I don't trust you that you're able to meet my financial needs. This is what you tell I don't. I don't trust him to provide for my needs. You notice what Paul said? Paul said, whosoever sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Cheerful giving is not how little I can give, but how much I can give to God. The attitude of a cheerful giver is, I want to give. I'm glad to give. I'm happy to give without murmuring or complaining because I love God. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first, always oh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you need, everything that you want, everything that you need shall be provided to you. What does it say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, true giving is a willingness to pay the price and always put God first. See, the Lord doesn't want us to put him last. He wants us to put him first. Put me first. God says, I want you to put me first in everything. If you need a healing, before you go to the doctor, put me first. Whatever you need. You have marriage problems, before you go to that worldly psychologist, put me first. Whatever you have problems with your children, uh, put me first. Whatever your need is, put me first. If you have financial needs, then put me first. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. That's what God wants. God doesn't want you to put him last. God says, put me first. Ecclesiastics chapter 11 Verse 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. You see, our giving should not be out of surplus, but out of precious seed. You know what precious seed is? Precious seed is the seed of faith, of putting him first, of, of stepping out and saying, God is God in my life. Not only do I love him, but I will trust God and you put him first. That's precious seed. Now there's uh, two examples that I want to bring out that I'm sure that you know that's in the Bible and this is something that's been preached before about these examples but I want to bring it back to your remembrance. The widow's might that is in the word of God. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Every time we look at the word it gives us even greater revelation. Mark chapter 12. When you have it, give me a loud amen. Well, you guys are fast. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verse 41 of Mark chapter 12. Notice what it says here. 
And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. But I want you to notice something. Notice where Jesus was sitting. He was sitting next to the treasury. Notice that? And he was watching everybody that was coming and bringing their offerings. And then he says, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. And then it says in verse 44, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but notice what he took notice of. It says over here, But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Sometimes you think that Jesus doesn't take notice. I don't know what you give. And then you, when they come by, you go, and you put it into the offering basket, and your, your neighbor doesn't know what you're giving. And you think, nobody saw me. You know, I just gave 50 cents. Hey, isn't that wonderful? Nobody saw me. And then sometimes you go like if you're giving a big offer. Hallelujah, you know <laughs> You put your little dollar, you roll it up so people can't see. You put your little, <laughs> your little dollar in the offering. Well, I can't see it, and I'm sure your neighbor there can't see it. Your neighbor's not looking at you to see how much you're giving and all that. But I tell you, somebody sees it. There's somebody's eyeballing you and taking notice of everything that you're giving. The first thing that he does is we need to understand, we, we get some, some good examples from this, some good uh, lessons from this, is that first of all, our giving does not go unnoticed. I want you to know that. Our giving does not go unnoticed. And also, our giving does not go unevaluated. And also, thirdly, that our giving does not go unappreciated. So take, listen to this. Every time we give, our giving does not go unnoticed. Our giving does not go unevaluated. And our giving does not go unappreciated. God is, able, God is concerned. God watches over what we give to God. And then in 1 Kings, open up to 1 Kings. This is another scripture that you know real well. In 1 Kings, in 1 Kings, Chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Chapter 17 of 1 Kings. And let's look at, at verse 7 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. You have it? When you have it, give me a loud amen. amen. How many want to be people of the word? Amen. amen. So open up that Bible. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 7. What does it say? And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, go unto Sarapath, which belonged to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Sarapath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Now notice what she says. Notice what this little woman said. 
And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a little handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it and die. She had her last meal. And notice what Elijah did. Elijah used the principle against the principle. Now, she would if she would have ate it herself, she would have ate it and died. But here Elijah says to her, fear not. You notice he says fear not, because always there's a fear of stepping out by faith. Always there is fear of stepping out by faith. When something is not logical and natural, and you're going to step out on the word of God, and it may not be logical and natural, there's always a fear of stepping out. So the woman, he says to her, he knew that she would have fear. He, Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Doesn't that remind you? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all things. Who did Elijah represent? Elijah represented God. Elijah saying, hey, before you go out there and, and, and eat it, you and, you and your son, you bring me first a portion to me. In other words, give to God first. And then he says, for thus saith the Lord, he gives a promise in verse 14. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Listen, if you don't have much than what you have, you better put God first. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain when you put God first. So what did he say? The same principle is quoted when it says, I will not give to God, David quoted that, that which costs me nothing. If we want God to open up the windows of heaven, we must grow and be stretched in our giving. Cheerful giving is giving with faith in God's word. God himself stands as the protector to your investment. Oh, I like that. Malachi 3 says, Prove me, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon your life. Jesus has given, it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It takes faith to give and I'll tell you why. Because the conditions are never quite perfect. Every time you're going to step out by faith, the conditions are not quite perfect. And there'll always be room for excuses that you could make why you shouldn't give. There will always be an excuse if you choose to use one. The widow of Sarapath could have used the excuse and said she was in a famine and says, I can't do that. I'm in a famine. I don't have enough to give. But she didn't use that excuse. In Ecclesiastes 11.4, the scriptures warn, He that observeth the, word, the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Again, I say it takes faith to give because the conditions are never quite perfect. If we're called to give to God based on his promise and his power to meet our every need, then we should give. 
Isn't it, isn't it a promise? We're called to give to God based on his promise and his power that he's able to meet our every need. Philippians 4, 6 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now we don't know how he's going to do it, but he is God and we need to leave the miracle in his hands when we move in faith and obey God. We place our lives and our families and our finances in a place for God to work a miracle. We position ourselves for a miracle when we move and trust God. Let us be cheerful givers. Your tithes and offerings are God's inflation fighters. Giving is the medicine that prevents or stops financial disease. And God says in Malachi chapter 3, I will rebuke the devourer. Now there are some of you that need that rebuking, the rebuke the devourer in your life. You want to stay in poverty? Get out there in poverty. You want to feel sorry for yourself? Pobrecita. You ever hear that? Poor little old me, and I don't have, and you don't have because you're not stepping on God. Listen, God wants to bless you. I've seen that happen. If, if anybody needs that message, it's Victory Outreach. I've seen that happen over and over and over again. And I've seen God bless everybody that stepped up. Do you know that the churches that are getting blessed today, and we get the records at the corporate office, you know the churches that are getting blessed today are the giving churches? The ones that say, I'm too small and I can't give, and they don't pay their tithes, and they don't pay their fees to the corporate office, those are the churches that are having problems. And you know why they're having problems? Because there's a curse upon them. There's a curse upon them, and a curse upon those people. And you, and you notice that there's no money, there's never any money. They're always like, uh, always survival. You know, we're not operating like that right now. We're not operating. We're not operating survival right now that if you don't give your tithes right now, we're going to go under. No, 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 no. I don't believe in, in operating like that. I don't believe in operating like that. I believe God is more than enough. More than. He's not only able to meet our financial needs that we could pay our bills. But he's even able to give us more than enough. And why am I preaching to you? I'm not preaching to you because we can't pay our bills. I want you to know that this church right now is paying its bills on time. It's paying its bills on time. So it's not because I'm saying, Mira, we can't pay that they're going to close the church on us and we can't pay. No, 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 no. The reason why I'm preaching it is not because we're, we're in a state of survival. The reason why I'm preaching it is because I want you to get blessed and God is saying preach my word and I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and begin to bless my people. Because when you get blessed, when you get blessed, when you come into that realm of trusting God, and then we begin to re God begins to rebuke that devour within your life. There isn't anything that we can't do. There isn't anything we can't do. You, you don't have to walk into a poverty-looking building. We don't, we don't serve a, a poverty God. We serve a miracle-working 
God. We serve a God that owns all the cattle on a thousand. We serve a God that doesn't go by our economy. We serve a God that will never go broke. God that's able to take care of us in whatever condition we may be going through. Doesn't matter what it says the stock market is or, or inflation or, or recession or, or depression. God has everything under control and God always takes care of his people. You notice it? The, you know why I preach it? Because it's worked. It's worked. It, it's worked for me. It's worked for me. I've, I've, I've put God to the test. What does it say? Prove me here, what saith the Lord. I said, I'm going to prove you, God. That's what I did. One day I said, you know what, God? I'm going to prove you. He says, check me out. That's what he says. I said, I'm going to check you out. <laughs> I said, I'm going to check you out. And then I started following the principles. Following the principles. I started paying my tithes. And then when I made a pledge... I paid it. I paid my pledge. I paid my pledge. <laughs> that I made to the Lord. And then he blessed, and he blessed more, and I, and I gave more, and he blessed more, and I gave more, and I've been living like that, man, ever since. And I'm telling you that it works. And this is where God wants to take San Diego. I, I've told Brother Juan, I, I mean, Carlos... I mean, he looks like a one. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Brother Carlos says, should I just keep on moving? I said, of course. Take those plans and bring that electrical engineer. And, and bring, we ha we've had a, 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 a structural engineer just recently come over here. We've had an air conditioning engineer come over here. We have an electrical engineer looking at all these things. And I said, go for it, Carlos. Go for it. Go for it. He says, do we have the money there? Yeah, the money will be there. Money is coming in. It will be there, and we're going to be able to do everything that God wants us to do. As God's people begin to step out and be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. So he says he's going to rebuke the devourer. And then not only does he say he's going to rebuke the devourer in Malachi, but what does he say? Does he stop there? I'm going to rebuke the devourer, and I'm going to leave you broke. Is that what God says? I'm going to rebuke the devourer and do what? Open what? Open up the windows. We should have a song singing, open up the windows, open up the... Open up the windows. Open up the windows of where? Of the stock market? Huh? Open up the windows of what? Heaven. Of heaven. And pour blessings on you. And just enough? No. no. He says, I'm going to pour blessings on you that you're not even going to be able to handle it. I'm not only going to give you enough, but I'm going to give you more than enough. After hearing a message like this, my God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be unto you. And if you say, well, that's not Pastor Sonny speaking. It's not Pastor Sonny speaking. That's the word of God speaking to you this morning. 
If you like to stay in poverty, pues quédate. <laughs> but if you say, el diablo, tú eres un mentiroso. You need to get a little bit of that righteous indignation and say, enough is enough. I am going to believe God. I want God's blessing. I'm tired of living in poverty. I'm tired of having that survival mentality, that poverty mentality. I'm going to believe God. See, the problem we have, and I finish with this, is not only we say, I'm going to believe him, and I believe him, but you don't practice the principles. And you can say, I believe you, I believe you, but if you don't practice the principles, you're not believing him. So you've got to practice the principles that I have just said. And I believe if we have a tithing church, a tithing church, that's just the beginning, then God's going to begin to bless His people. And then we're going to... We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.